Chapter 13. A Red Sunrise Heather left her bed before Emma was awake. She went to the library, which was attached to Lord Ramnor's ready room. Lord Ramnor sat beside the fire reading. Am I disturbing you? she whispered. Of course not, Heather, he said, removing his glasses and beckoning her over. It's cold and gray out there. A bad omen. Do you read omens, Lord Ramnor, or read of omens? she asked, nodding at his book. He reminded her of father. The Lord Ramnor was much older. His bearing was as much a scholar's as that of a military commander. She saw how it all weighed on him, and admired him for his perseverance. He fought because of what he loved, not because he loved to fight. I'm reading children's poems, he said, to clear my mind before the day's tasks. I have done it for years, whenever I can. Children's poetry? A great lord like you? she asked. Does it distract you? No, he answered. Well, I suppose it does, but I feel less, I don't know, less sullied by the awful parts of my work when I read. She nodded, and he went on, returning his glasses to his nose. Consider this one, Heather, one even the scribe of the cause would be proud of. She smirked, but listened as he began. Who was it stole the apple pie? Twasn't I, twasn't I. Who stole then, rings her reply. Still I deny, still I deny. Asked I am why I should lie. I am innocent, I cry. But inside I know who stole the pie. For twas I, for twas I. Twas I who stole the apple pie, but shall deny it till I die. Inside I know who stole the pie, for there it lies in my insides. Heather smiled wearily. It's sweet and funny, but so deceitful. Fitting for our times, he sighed, rising. Then, with a quick bow and smile, he walked out. Heather stood with her back to the fire, her appetite now whispering about apple pie. She glanced at the fire, touched her necklace charm, and sighed, then crossed to Lord Remnor's desk. She took up the book of poems and sat down. Maybe this could help expel her gloom. She sat for a while with the book, laughing here and there, until she sensed the dawn approaching. How would... She would be wanted on the Fowler's course. How long could she avoid Emma? How long could she live with this lie inside her? She rose and crossed the room, hesitating by the door. She wanted to return to the chair by the fire and read all day. But there is work to do. Like Lord Ramnor, she would do her duty. She inhaled deeply and walked through the door. What she saw froze her blood. Pickett wanted to complain to Helmer. His master had yelled at him and Perk for running through the halls, then forced them to run even more through the halls in order to get everyone to the course in less than ten minutes. But Pickett didn't dare say anything. Helmer didn't want to hear that right now. He was sure. Good thing he can't read my thoughts. Stay focused, Lieutenant, Helmer said sharply to Pickett. Yes, sir. The Fowlers were lined up, backs to the trail and faces toward their captain. Helmer stood in front of the Fowler's course and the forest beyond. They stood in a row. Long-legged Joe Shanks, Steady Perkinson, Pickett, and their new member, Colden Blackstar. Heather was not there yet. Box, this is Colden, our new friend from the southeast, Helmer said, nodding at the tall black rabbit whose famous ancestor was King Whitson Mariner's savior. We recruited him because we didn't already have enough cocky rabbits from famous or infamous families, he smirked. Colden is new, raw, inexperienced in our arts. He needs to learn, probably through great pain, what it means to be a fowler. Pickett glanced at Colden, saw the quiet confidence in his face. Perkinson looked tense, uneasy, while Joe was laughing behind his hand, but Pickett felt sorry for the new recruit. No matter what kind of dangers he had faced at Kingston, no one could be ready for Helmer. 
You must be prepared to go head-to-head -head in the treetops with the most vicious creatures, the monsters of your ancestors' tales, Hummer went on. Pickett watched Colden's face. It went from focused attention to distraction. He seemed to be looking past Helmer. You will run toward danger, not away, the old master went on, his voice getting louder and his eyes narrowing. You will meet their best aloft. You will fly. Pickett grew concerned for Colden. He was only half paying attention. Helmer had clearly noticed and was seething. Do we have a problem, son? Helmer said, planting himself right in front of the young buck. Pickett knew that Helmer would strike soon, and Colden would end up on his back. We might, Colden said, looking past Helmer. Then, before Helmer could speak again, Colden dove at the captain, knocking him to the ground, just as an arrow whizzed through the air above them. It had come from the forest, and more followed quickly after. Pickett dove sideways and caught Joe, dragging him down just as a hail of arrows filled the sky. Perk had already moved, but Pickett collided with Joe just as an arrow caught Joe's arm, spinning him down. Perk was on his feet, rushing back to the tunnel. The remaining fowlers found cover behind several wooden wolves fitted with blades. Helmer rolled over and drew his sword. Joe and Colton had theirs out at once. They all made as if to run, but Colton held up a hand as arrows filled the sky. It's too late, he said. Can you reach your bow, Joe? Helmer grunted as he peered out from the insufficient cover in an effort to see the enemy. No, Joe grunted. He's hurt, Pickett said, reaching for Joe's arm where an arrow was lodged. Pull it out, Helmer said, glancing at the wound before returning his attention to the trees. The wound wasn't deep, and Pickett trusted Helmer's instincts. He looked at Joe, who nodded, and pulled the arrow out as Joe stifled a scream. Tearing off a piece of cloth, Pickett wrapped the wound as best he could. He turned to Helmer. What's the situation? We're pinned, Helmer said. They're waiting on something. Surely it's not just that they need to account for us, Colden said, pointing to the tree line. Pickett saw that it was alive with enemies. The tall rabbits? Pickett asked. I don't think so, Colden said, unless they have wolves with them. As he spoke, several wolves broke through the tree line and charged them. Covering arrows sped above them as they came. Colden pulled Helmer to the ground as most of the deadly darts passed over their heads. Others thudded into their wooden protectors. We need a bow, Joe said. We need a rescue, Colden said. Pickett hated to admit it, but there it was. The elite fowlers, on the grim occasion of their first real combat, needed rescuing. The wolves were nearly on them. Pickett drew his sword and positioned himself in front of Joe. I'm okay, Joe said. There are too many for you to protect me. There were. Six wolves rushed toward the four trapped rabbits. They tore the ground with their pounding claws. Helmer took a last look over the flimsy barricade and called out, Rush them! Leaping over the wooden wolf, Pickett sped toward the attacking wolves. Now he could see their numbers. There were hundreds in the woods. The four rabbits charged in, each seeming unwilling to be the last to clash. Arrows whizzed by, and Pickett weaved back and forth, hoping to throw them off. There were precious few advantages for rabbits at war with wolves, but Pickett planned to exploit them all for as long as he could. Rabbits were fast, could dodge and cut with tremendous speed. They had powerful feet, if given enough time to leap and strike. They were self-controlled and cunning, with their weapons and their strategy. And the heirs of Flint and Fay were brave. Pickett coiled for a terrific leap. He launched high and flipped forward, landing a thundering kick on the foremost wolf. He felt the crack of impact, saw the wolf give way as he landed, and rolled into a shorter jump to strike out with his blade. This met a shield and rattled his wrists. He held on and deflected the return strike from a jabbing spear. He dodged and struck, leapt back and surged forward, dimly aware of the desperate struggles all around him. 
After half a minute of madness, he saw the wolves giving way, and he realized that more rabbits were among them. As Pickett deftly blocked a sword thrust in front, a slavering wolf, teeth bared, surged for his shoulder. Out of nowhere, a rabbit kick met the wolf's jaws, knocking him sideways. Perkinson landed beside him, an attachment of half-wind soldiers joining him. Perkinson finished the wolf with his blade and grabbed a picket. Let's go, Longtreader, he said, looking wildly all around. Back! Back! he shouted. Pickett saw Colden flip backward and strike out at a wolf that had pinned Joe, then dart sideways to fend off another attacker as the surge of soldiers met the line. He looked calm, natural. He swung his sword like it was part of his strong arm. Fall back! Pickett shouted. Helmer ended the wolf he had been locked in combat with, then staggered back, grabbing Joe. More and more wolves poured from the forest as the soldiers from the citadel flooded out to meet them, warriors in white tunics, a red moon crossed with spears on their chests. Among them ran a cluster of blue-robed rabbits, armed and fierce as they joined battle with the wolves. Pickett saw, before he fell into the temporary safety of the tunnel passage, that the wolves outnumbered the rabbits three to one. It would be a slaughter.